Welcome to the Doghouse. I'm Diana. And I'm David. It's Riverdale, Season 6, Episode 2, Chapter 97, Ghost Stories. La Garona arrives in Rivervale. Betty and Tony visit Cheryl in hopes that she can protect Betty's unborn baby and baby Anthony. Meanwhile, Jughead, Tabitha, Reggie, and Veronica have ghost tales of their own, straining their relationships. So... I have no way to judge this show right now. <laughs> in some ways, that's great for the show. <laughs> but it makes it hard to care. Go, oh, yeah. And that's the problem without setting a very clear, this is, this is what is actually happening. Because we know not to trust them. We know R.I.S. lies his ass off. Like, whatever he says is bullshit. um or is is just veiled intent it's just it's just it just is so it's hard to know what to take seriously and what not to so we kind of just have to accept as this is just a show with these five episodes as their own little clump that are supposed to go together and yet still tell the narrative of the whole season whatever so i'm just gonna take it as it is what it is again I'm going to apply our movie Kubrick rule to these episodes and that if I need context to understand this event, your event sucks and it doesn't serve your overall story. That to me is the problem here, right? If you pulled this in like a season three, where all of a sudden you threw us for a loop and we don't know where the fuck we are, or we threw it in the time jump where we're bridging the gap to the time jump mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we're like, wait, what the fuck is going on? And it turns out it's all been in Archie's head or something. If this thing had happened at the time jump, it would have been just as disorienting. We would not have had any context to be like, well, this is what the show is now or what's happened because it could have been anything. And that would have been a great way to confuse everyone. And that's fine. But also do that thing where they test the water. So what's the fan reaction to this concept or this concept, which shows do all the time. They do a random like dream of these two people together and the, and the fans go, that is amazing. Please do that. And they're like, okay, people, people dig that vibe. Cool. Or they're like, this is the worst thing ever. Don't ever do that again. That's horrible. Okay, cool. That's fine. I don't have a sense of what the end game is and what we're being presented in isn't overly compelling because I don't need to know the end game, but the journey has to be compelling and it's not. You already said it. We don't trust them. No, we don't. We can't trust them because they've never bought that trust out of us. So to now expect you to do a five episode event leading to your hundredth episode, Mm -hmm. which is not the worst idea in the world. If you're a show that knows how to write for your characters, but you don't, the only reason that this show is still around and does such ratings as it does is because we like the actors and it's bonkers enough that we want to keep talking about it. Yeah, pretty much. If they even went to that level of, well, we know what we are, so now we're just going to go full bore and be wacky with it, Mm -hmm. I would have a lot more respect for them. But instead... They think they're smarter than us, and they're way dumber than their audience. Oh, yeah. They're super duper dumb. That, to me, is what's so frustrating about all of this, is they, they are so convinced that they're smarter than us with these stories. Yeah. And the second that they give us a crumble of what might be going on, we're going to have the whole plot figured out. 
if Kevin is in fact the TBK, as I predicted at the end of season five, mm-hmm. I feel like I will have graduated <laughs> <laughs> because I pulled that so far out of my ass and made it work. And they like, no, there's a world in which this is good. It's bad, but it's good. I, I will be so proud of myself. I'll be proud of myself for predicting that. But even then, it just speaks to the laziness of it. Eh. Uh, it's just the thing of like, your TV genius is mm-hmm. unmatched. That is undeniable. I'm pretty good. But also, if they keep throwing shit out that's that predictable, well, that, that just speaks to you being bad at your job. Here's the thing. I've watched a lot of television. Okay? Takes a lot to surprise me. Like Westworld level to surprise me. It does. There are a few times where I watch you and I go, <gasps> it just doesn't happen very often. When it does, I am pleasantly surprised. But Riverdale could try and they're not. They've surprised me with competence <laughs> of filmmaking. Those are the times where I've been like, wow, that was amazing. Where I was so excited by what was happening. But it's never the writers. No. And and yeah so we're left here so like i can't be bothered to be excited about any of this because i'm just gearing myself up for a massive letdown Mm -hmm. no and that's where i'm at and it's just kind of like okay well just gonna let y'all do this thing we have three more episodes after this and then we have two months off so whatever like it's it's hard to really care the only way you're gonna you're gonna get my attention is if you go crazier than Chad Michael Murray in an evil Knievel suit. Well, that was entertaining. That wasn't just crazy. Oh, it was bonkers. That ride was bonkers, and you know it. It could have been way more bonkers. It really wasn't that bonkers. It was stupid. That's what it was. It was stupid. Yes, bonkers stupid. All right, well, we start this episode with more Jughead presentational. He's at Pops. I love this. This is fun. I like this aspect of what we're doing. Yes, thank you. More armchair commentary. And we find out that apparently the ghoulies and the serpents are fighting. They're having a brawl. It's very West Side Story, Romeo and Juliet, because Xandra and Daniel from opposite gangs have fallen in love. And we see this fight and Darla's there. And Tony throws a knife at Darla and... Her son Daniel jumps in front of her and takes it to the chest. And then we find out after a three months later uh, subtitle that it haunts Tony that she was aiming to wound, not kill. And she killed Danny, Darla's son. Okay. (laughs) I have questions. Don't we all? (laughs) Number one, what the fuck is Darla doing as a ghoulie? Darla's been a free agent gangster this whole fucking time. You know, I'm fine with it. Darla's a thug. The end of story, okay? <laughs> That's fine with me. Here's the thing. We haven't seen her in a while. So things have changed in Riverdale. Maybe that that was the where the best game was. I don't care. I am fine with this because this is a reoccurring NPC, essentially. So, like, we need this situation. How are we supposed to care? Okay, let's use a name that we've used before. Does this fit? Sure. If you're trying to pick apart the Darla Dickinson in this, we have bigger fish to fry. Uh, Like the fact that Tony's not in goddamn prison. (laughs) (laughs) 
or 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 at least a waiting trial. <laughs> a waiting trial. This is manslaughter at best. Yeah. And I'm not in uh, you likely. Know, it's likely. I'm not in favor of this stuff necessarily, but like if we're just talking normal legal consequences, this is a pretty open and shut case. The fact that she's just talking to a fellow social worker about this three months later, nah, that's not how this would go down. She's not talking to the social worker. She's talking to the therapist. Whatever. I don't care about that. But yeah, she should at least be like awaiting trial. All of this is like, what? This is not how any <laughs> she of this She killed works. a kid. Wow. Wow. They just, they really went way too far out to begin the episode it it was just a lot just drive home the point that tony would do anything to protect baby anthony okay cool so then we then we cut to jughead he's watching tv you know he's very comfortable in their new apartment tabitha's like hey good luck with your writing will you hang up these pictures and jughead's like yeah sure as he's just shoveling food in okay just yeah. a little, little slice of their life. And then we cut to Reggie looking at a photo of him and his dad. It looks like it's after a football game. Phone rings and it's uh, Veronica. And we find out that Reggie's dad is in the hospital and it doesn't look good. And that he's been told that he shouldn't visit him because it doesn't, it doesn't help when he's having a bad day. And so Veronica says, you know, it's okay for you to be upset about your dad being sick. And Reggie just kind of says, you know, what kills me is that we were doing better. I thought we'd have more time. And, you know, like, it's just sweet. It's like, okay, now we know what's going on with Reggie and his dad. All right, cool. Like, that's sad, but okay. I do like it as an opportunity to show more complex emotions from Reggie. Because Charles Melton is fabulous. Yes, we all knew that. So he hangs up the phone and he hears a car engine revving. We cut to outside and there's a man at the dealership where Reggie was taking this phone call. And this guy's got this car. It's beautiful. He's like, oh my God, I had one just like that. And he's like, I will give you double the blue book value for this car. And the guy's like, yes, thank you. Let's, let's make it work. Let's make it happen. And then we cut to later, Reggie is waxing the car. He's getting in the car. And this is 100% Christine vibes from Stephen King's story. Mm -hmm. And as he's, you know, kind of like singing to himself and he, we see a woman in the car. I'm like, who says this is a woman we've not seen before? Nope. And the phone rings and all of a sudden he's like out of his like fantasy world. And it's Veronica. She's like, where are you? I don't mean to be a nuge. A nuge? They give her the stupidest, like, 40 (sighs) slang to say. (laughs) I know. It's so bad. I wish they just let her talk like a normal person. (laughs) I'm cute. And he's like, oh, I was doing some paperwork. I'll I'll, I'll be out the door. All right, cool. We go back to the Jabatha apartment. And Jughead is sitting on the couch reading comic books. And Tabitha comes in and is like, what happened to the art? And he's like, uh, I'll do it tomorrow, I promise. And it's like, hey, okay. But she's annoyed. She's annoyed. So she picks up a hammer nail and she goes way too hard for a nail. <laughs> Her hammer goes through the wall and they're like, oh, this doesn't look good. And like, wait, there's a draft. And next thing you know, they've unearthed an entire room nook on the other side of this wall <laughs> filled with <laughs> ships in a bottle. Mm-hmm. And Jughead's like, 
I can make this into a little writing nook. I'll put my my desk in here. And Tabitha's just like, uh-huh. And they notice that the bottles that with the ships in it are scotch bottles. She's like, hey, isn't that what you used to drink? He's like, yeah, when I could afford it. Just, you know, a nice, a nice little notice. <sighs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm fine. Like, all these details. Like, okay, this is weird, but okay. This, this is a thing that actually happens in people's houses. It's got to be also based on some type of Stephen King thing. Wouldn't be surprising. Like, it's a, a nook or a corner gets, you know, drywalled up because, like, it's wasted space. It's not helping us. Um, the train, or what, like, nowadays we wouldn't build like that, but it happened all the time. And, you know, especially when people renovate old houses, they find, like, dumbwaiter uh, shoots and whatnot. And they're like, wait, that, like, I mean, a lot of people's laundry shoots are used to be done later it's very cool well and there's there's big telltale heart vibes too sure something hidden in the walls absolutely it's very they're demons they're ghosts so we come back to the pembroke and ronnie sitting there with a drink waiting for reggie reggie comes in he's like oh i'm sorry i stink i'm gonna go take a shower which is just red flag alarms for veronica which is totally fair she saw her dad do this bullshit all the time dude comes home Saying, I need to take a shower. You, I'm, that's just, that is TV stereotype for dudes having an affair. <laughs> Who doesn't look visibly dirty. It's like, dude's having an affair. He has to go wash the other lady off of him. Like, that's it. Like, that's yeah. what it is. Then we cut to the river and a lady with some, looks like some traditional funeral garb, rises from the lake and then walks past the Rivervale sign. So, yeah. Uh, that happens, and we go to Thornhill, and <sighs> Juniper is being drowned. Which is a big old signpost. It's like, whoa, 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 Juniper and Dagwater with the Cheryl. This is interesting. No, we knew they would. They were going to be at the end of season five. Should they be permanently with Cheryl? No. Cheryl says that, that she's taken the twins after we find out that Polly's dead. Mm, mm-hmm. So that tracks. I, it's weird that they would be living with her but whatever i'm not gonna pull at that thread so yeah well none of this is real i don't think so but so like we the audience see this ghost lady her shadow trying to drown juniper cheryl you know uses her warden like keys to get into the bathroom do- which has been locked and you know she helps her and you know juniper's okay but then she notices she has these bruises all over her arms where she was being held by the ghost so it's like oh this is fucked up cool <laughs> and you know we get our river veil ah! so that's a lot i know where they're headed with this ghost thing and it's very annoying because it's already a bit culturally appropriative they explain it pretty well because, like, it's it's a common legend throughout different cultures and, mm-hmm. and different places. But, like, the whole idea of La Llorona is a very specific Mexican story. There are a lot of things here that I don't love, but whatever. It's just it's just at this point, like, it's just not worth not worth <laughs> it's not it's not worth it. Oh, this fucking show. Like, you want to tokenize Tony more? Go for it. Good job. Oh, oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, there's a part of me that's like, you have a character, a, a core four character, who you've established in this universe as Latine. So why is she not pulled into this part of the story? 
because of the structure of this episode, and look, but we can get into all the different problematic bullshit around how they framed this story. I know why. It's because these writers fucking suck and they don't care and they are not paying attention. The other thing is like, this is the other problem with how they've structured these five episodes because they're trying to set it up like it's like it's a Twilight Zone episode, but those are self-contained. And while so far these kind of are, in this particular episode, you have three different stories happening, but none of them are good. Oh no, the whole thing fucking sucks. It should have been one goddamn story. The first episode? Okay, because you have to touch on all these points, but you told one story. Yes. Cool. And then we're branching off into other bits from the seeds you planted. Okay, cool. But this should have been focus on one story with more seeds and little branches. Like the one that I think was still done well without being a focus was the Jughead Tabitha because it didn't take a lot to understand what was happening. And that still fuels a story later on. But it doesn't incorporate it doesn't incorporate the main spooky thing that's going on in this episode. It just doesn't. The, like literally they just said, like, let's pick a theme. Ghosts, done. Car ghosts, lake ghosts, house ghosts, done. Because they made a hyper specific choice about a type of legend and story. Absolutely. You needed to stick to that. Or you needed to make it so vague that ghosts are all over Riverdale. Or they should have picked the ghost that they did, well, not ghost, but the witch that was very similar from Sabrina to help tie in this person you're going to bring later. Look, I know we often get into different possibilities with this stuff, but it's just like, what? Why? Why even bother at this point with this fucking show? I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. We cut to Betty and Kevin chatting at school and they're dressed very formal this is definitely an alternate universe because in what world do they both wear blazers to school i mean betty is an fbi agent they are teachers at this school they do not wear blazers betty's not a teacher anymore she's an fbi agent i bet you she still teaches auto shop but no, anyways I don't think so she is at the school wearing a blazer why official business also kevin wearing a blazer as a teacher at school why because he looked cute in a blazer. He does. I will grant that. If that is the sole reason, fine. But it was a definite costuming choice that I was like, okay. Especially once Cheryl walks in dressed like a high school harlot. I mean, come on. <laughs> She's wearing the brightest thing in this whole color scheme. It's short as hell and pink. She looks beautiful. But like. You're supposed to be an authority figure and you're dressed like in front of children. Like she's definitely an authority figure in the world. But in front of children, this is not appropriate. <laughs> Turn into an old woman. I just found it very funny. And it's like, well, maybe that's the reason they're in blazers. <laughs> Don't know. Anyways, Cheryl comes in to ask Betty, hey, can Alice take the twins for a couple of days? I'm like, yeah, what's going on? Oh, because some evil water nymph out of M. Night Shyamalan is coming to haunt the hills of Thornhill. And she's like, will you let Alice know or me? And Betty's just like, uh... <laughs> it's great. I like it. I love I love those interactions. We go over to Pops, and Tabitha is talking with Miss Gordon, their real estate agent, and they're going over the floor plan, and she's like, oh yeah, so it is here. It's always been the floor plan. Why didn't you tell me about this? And Miss Gordon is just being like, mm-hmm, that's curious. And Tabitha just 
was very right to the point. It's like, aren't you legally required to tell me about anything, you know, unfortunate that happened there? And she's like, oh, I did to your boyfriend, which is shady as fuck and not a real, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be okay. No. No. But it drives the plot along. Sure. Fine. (laughs) It should have been something like, oh, I told Jughead, he said he was going to relay it to you. I apologize for not disclosing it to you directly. It's just one of those unbelievable things. I'm like, yeah, what the fuck, lady? Yeah, but she's a nefarious lady, so. She's a nefarious lady, which I did look up this actress, and she's just based in Vancouver. So she's a Vancouver character actress, because I was like, she feels familiar, and she's probably done a lot of roles like this as well. So she's she's not anyone super crazy that we should know. So apparently, Sam and Diane, the young couple who died in the apartment, it was a murder-suicide. She killed him, and then herself. I'm still mad that they didn't make a, a joke about chili dogs at the Tasty Freeze. Pop taste chili dogs. Like, come on. You had it right there. You, you could have made so many lyric jokes and you didn't. You didn't, Riverdale. God, if they would just lean into their bullshit. Sometimes, like, and just be like, two American kids doing the best they can. Come on. It's so easy. Let it rock. Let it roll. Just, just, just <laughs> be like, how are you, how are you and Jackie doing? We're just two American kids doing the best we can. Like, that would be hilarious. It's going to come up. I bet you it comes up later in the season, and it's going to be in the Jughead, narr- like, narrator presentation. Just two American kids doing the best they can. It's fine. It'll be funny. I'm here for it. <sighs> no, it won't. It won't because they don't think. They don't think. All right. I see a world in which Cole Sprouse makes that happen. Anyways. Reggie's a lying son of a bitch. Reggie's going to get himself in trouble by reverting to some high school shenanigans. Ronnie's at the Pembroke. She's she's supposed to be going over something with Reggie. She calls Reggie. Reggie is sitting on his car at the school. And he's like, oh, I can't make it. I'm at the hospital. And then the school bell rings. At a school bell, you are so busted, mantle. <laughs> and so then... We cut to Reggie in his letterman jacket, reminiscing in his car. <sighs> Which, like, okay, I again, I'm fine with all of this. This makes total sense. Like, he's just, he's sitting in his car. He's thinking he's really cool. Ronnie shows up and she's like, I thought you were having an affair. What's going on? Where did the car, <laughs> where did the car come from? So he explains, he's like, I used to have the same car. And she's like, oh, that's right, Bella. It's like, yeah, my dad gave me her. And it was like the greatest day of my life. And so when she came back, I just, you know, and she finishes it, you know, he wanted to relive some happy memories. She's like, well, why didn't you bring it back to, you know, the Pembroke? And he's like, well, she needed a little fine tuning. And, you know, I need to give her a little TLC, get her purring again. And Ronnie's just like, you know, that's fine. You don't have to sneak around. Just don't forget, I can use a little TLC every now and again, too. And so then they open the car door and they're they're going to go fuck in the car. So that's fine. I have a crazy idea. I have a crazy idea. I'm fine with all of that. They're consenting adults. This is cute. Reggie's reminiscing. Fine. Cool. Veronica is trying to be supportive. This should have been just the core four. The whole Tony-ness of this whole storyline mm-hmm. means shit to me. Like, you yeah. set it up on such a bad premise to begin with. Yeah. With the whole Dane killing the Darla's kid thing. Yeah. And all of it through, I'm like, oh, so this never should have been one of your storylines at all. You should have had two separate episodes 
one of which is the Christine episode, and just make it all about the car. Because now we have way more time to spend there. Mm-hmm. And one of your episodes should be all about the hidden room Telltale Heart Stephen King writing of it all. No, I agree. That all would have been great. Like you had the Archie dies and we've set up all these other, and then you can have these tiny little scenes with other people doing things. You could have this in this episode where Reggie gets the car and then he starts kind of like, and he starts having these like hallucination type things. And you can tell, he ain't telling Veronica about that. That's fine. That's a nugget. That's like five minutes of screen time. It doesn't take away from everything else, but let's just know, hey, that's what's going on over there. It's fine. There's a way to balance it. But both of those are better stories than the main storyline we got for this episode. That's what it is. The big one. And oh, I did for I forgot to include that. Betty and Kevin were talking about baby names and it's going to be Archie if it's a boy and Polly if it's a girl. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> so we go back to the Jabatha apartment and Jughead is in the room and Something I knew immediately from the promos for this episode is that Jughead is meant to look like Johnny Depp from Secret Window, which is a movie based on a short story by Stephen King. His glasses that he puts on later are the same style, and the robe he's wearing is meant to look like the robe that Johnny Depp wears throughout that entire movie. I found that I, I just knew that instantly when I saw it. I was like, oh, he's supposed to look like Johnny Depp. Uh, that movie's actually pretty good. It's really weird. But I remember seeing it in theaters a long time ago. So it might be worth checking out. So Tabitha comes home and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I decided to go for a nautical Neil Gaiman theme, which is very fun. She's like, oh, I see you didn't have time to hang up our pictures, uh, but you did have time to put a door on your new nook, huh? <laughs> and he's like instantly like, oh, I'm in trouble. A little bit. Why didn't you tell me about this place? truth about sam and diane this murder suicide couple because when you saw the apartment you fell in love with it and also it's gonna sound weird but i thought i could write about them (laughs) i did some digging and it's a fascinating story and then he gives us these really gory details that were really unnecessary he was a painter obsessed with his work and she bludgeoned him to death with a hammer and then hung herself they don't know why she did it she just snapped one day so like, yes, it's very disturbing, but it gives context for what they're going to do later. So I'm like, I'm fine with it. <sighs> I it's just, just like, it's just whatever. For me, and, and this could just be a me thing, but when you get into that territory of murder-suicide, it just gets to a point where I go, I don't need the details. I really don't. Well, since they're going to, since they kind of, you need some of the details. I wish, though, it's like, why did she do it? Jughead wasn't like, I don't know. She just snapped. It was it would have been more of like, I don't know. It seems she just snapped. But I want to find out why I want to try to figure out why. Like, that's what doesn't make sense to me, because that's the detective Jughead, not just writer Jughead. Yeah, it feels so thrown away, I think, in how they're saying it almost. So he doesn't really apologize because I should have told you I'm not going to do something like that ever again and if you're worried about ghosts i'm not so it's like okay and jughead goes well on the plus side i'm feeling kind of inspired are you writing again no but i'm getting close (laughs) it's like okay and this is going to translate to some bs in the actual outside world where like part of all the bad stuff going on is that he doesn't feel like he can write right now 
No, it's just that everything he has to write about is like what he's been through and he doesn't want to use his real life experiences for fodder anymore because of his friend's reaction to the outsiders because he twisted it and like the serpents are mad at him and you know it's just yeah he's trying to figure out how to how to write again without pulling from that well yeah disrespecting the people he cares about Mm -hmm. which is fair it's a fair concern we go to tony's office and betty's there talking to her about another serpent murder um apparently there was an incident of domestic violence. It looks like a mother drowned her daughter in a bathtub. And she's like, oh, she's, her name is Lucinda Villa. And her daughter is Sandra. Tony, Tony is exactly who she is. And Dr. Curdle is saying that there are bruises on her shoulders. And it's kind of like someone held her under. So the FBI wants me to charge her mother with murder. And Tony's just like, I, I know Lucinda, she would never hurt her daughter. And she's like, well, she's not talking to me. So maybe she would talk to you. And Tony's like, okay. Like, all right, cool, like fine. But like I I like Tony and Betty working together. Still a little weird because Tony's the leader of a gang. (laughs) But whatever. It's it's a nuanced relationship. We go to the FBI office and Lucinda's there and Tony's talking to her. And you know, she's like, I know you didn't do this, so who did? It was La Yarona. And then we cut to Betty going, like, who or what is La Yarona? So Tony explains, according to old folk tales, it's a spirit of vengeance who preys on the young children. She drowns them. Okay, Tony, I appreciate your help. And I want to give Lucinda the benefit of the doubt here, but I can't put spirit of vengeance on my report, <laughs> which is so bureaucratic and so an Alice thing to say. I <laughs> love that it came out of Betty's mouth. I hate all of this so I much. I agree. You know, What's interesting here is I'm like, I don't like this episode. I knew Uh that off gut feeling. Didn't realize why until we started talking about it. And then it's because they trivialized the endangerment of children for a fucking plot point. I mean, that's the whole show, David. (laughs) You have a baby in this world. It's going to get endangered. It's just a fact. Let's not maim or murder the children. That's just the threaten their lives. That's just par for the course in this universe. But anything else, no. It was easy enough to suspend disbelief with like the core four for a while. I don't know why it shouldn't have because they were also fucking children. As my dear friend Samantha Jane has instituted in our Christmas Tide podcast, you cannot lose a limb until you can drive a car. It's fair. Nothing worse than that. So the only thing that's happened other than like some bruised legs and arms is, you know, a broken tailbone and a broken arm. And now we have just this gruesome death and it's just a plot point. Whatever. I mean, I I get it. But for whatever reason, this time around, I hate this storyline so much that I don't care. And I can guarantee you it will not come back. No, There, there will be no connection other than baby Anthony's life was threatened and betty at at nearly the same time betty thought she was having a miscarriage if she is in fact pregnant in real life in the riverdale timeline yeah which okay that ripple effect of a dream okay fine but i hate this i don't like it i really don't even want to talk about it anymore. that's fair i just for me it really hit hard of 
holy fuck, y'all are that callous that you're not even thinking of the implications of what you're writing here. They never have. Ever. Somehow it hit in a much different way than it has before. I don't know why, but it did. <laughs> we cut to Veggie making out in the car outside of Pops. And then another car filled with dudes in Letterman jackets rolls up and they're like, woohoo, yeah. <laughs> and then Reggie sees this and he's like, yeah, guys. And Veronica's like, Reggie, those are my students. I've indulged you long enough. We're getting our food to go. So this is a better story. This is a better story. And like this makes total sense that Veronica's totally getting to make out in a car. Oh, and not in front of my students. No, we're not doing this in front of my students. No, no, bye. Nope. There's a line. But a horror story where Reggie's retreating into his own hallucinations that sure. suddenly turn real. Fuck. What a cool story you could have told. Sure, I'm here for that. <sighs> we cut to Tabitha sleeping and we hear this really loud typewriter clacking. and. She's she gets up and she's like, hey, Jughead, can you type a little like lower? Can you keep it down? And we cut to Jughead in the nook and he is just like a robot. He's very, you know, all fun and no play. Make Jack a dull boy. Possessed. Possessed. Very. Yeah. He's just going at it. He's a little machine there. And Tabitha grabs a hammer and then wakes up from her dream. And when she wakes up, she sees Jughead's asleep next to her. So this is all a dream. Like, it's just her. Okay. And so Jughead's like waking up in the morning. Tabitha comes in to nag him. How many times have we told you not to leave the toothpaste uncapped? Uh, it wasn't me. <laughs> yes, it was uncapped. I don't know. Maybe it was the ghost you heard banging in the closet. You know, when you woke me up in the middle of the night. I don't need your attitude right now. But please, put the toothpaste cap Back on the tube. It's common decency. <laughs> Jug's being an asshole. <laughs> she is unraveling and he is not being sympathetic. And also, Jughead has always been kind of a slob. Yes. So he is an adult human living with another adult human. And he has to actually like learn to compromise. When he was living with Archie and Frank, no one gave a shit. When he was living with Jessica, he was drunk or high all the time. No one gave a shit. Before that, he was living in the Cooper house. Betty didn't give a shit. And there was Alice to clean anything up. So, like, who cared? Nobody's ever told Jughead what or how to do things. He is he is very, very um wild. <laughs> He's not been domesticated. But this almost seems too wild and too flippant for Jughead. No, because in his view... You woke me up like you're tired and grumpy. I'm tired and grumpy, but I'm tired and grumpy because of you. And you're yelling at me about something as stupid as a toothpaste cat, which I, I fully agree with her. It's just like it's a clean up after yourself type of thing. And it's that plus the you lied to me about this room. Plus you haven't hung the pictures on the wall, which is what I asked you to do while I'm at work. Totally fair. Like she has every right to be pissed. He has every right to be grumpy. He could be nicer. I totally agree. He's being a little bit of a dick, but he's not that big of a dick. We cut to the Pembroke and Ronnie's like, Reggie, we need to talk about last night. It was really uncomfortable for me. What? You're telling me you've never made out in a car? Of course I have. The last time that happened, Chuck Clayton tried to tarnish my good name, which was a nice callback. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's a season one callback. So, Okay. So maybe that's why canoodling in your stupid car triggered me. First of all, Bella's not stupid. 
<laughs> Second of all, you've got kinks too, like making out on a bed full of dirty $100 bills. That was in the privacy of our own home, not plastered on the leather seats, some stupid ride. Okay, that's the second time you've called my car stupid. Veronica, are you jealous of Bella or something? Don't be ridiculous. Fine, no more car scapades. Great. Okay. This is a stupid conversation, but I love it. I love them as grumpy married people. No, it's very good. And again, this story way better than the one we're actually telling for this episode. Works way better. Uh, We see Tabitha cleaning up a broken plate at Pops. And Pops comes up. He's like, hey, are you okay? That's the third plate you dropped today. And she's just like, Grandpa, I haven't been sleeping well. And he's like, any reason in particular? (laughs) Like, he's very much saying that in the way of like, do I want to know? Uh-oh. And so she asks him if he believes in ghosts. And he says, sure. This diner was haunted for a while by the ghost of a waitress who died in an accident with the deep fryer. So that's totally coming back later. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> deep fryer waitress lady is totally coming back. Like, what a bonker story to throw out. So apparently the jukebox would start playing on its own and pots and pans would fly off the hooks. And Tabitha asks, well, how'd you get it to stop? valid question he's like hey remember those riots we had in the 80s like when every window was broken well after that night we didn't have another incident it was almost as if the racket scared the ghost off i guess the dead can be as afraid of us as we are of them okay well all right then i love you pops you're never allowed to die i will be sad again good story plot interesting that lady's coming back later i guarantee you it's happening We cut to Veronica chatting with Hermosa because she's still alive in a person in this world. She just like says like he's going through a quarter life crisis. And Veronica's like, oh, yeah, that does make sense, especially with what's happening with his dad. And Hermosa is just like my advice. Cut him some slack. Let him play with his toys. Get him some fuzzy dice, (laughs) which is adorable and correct. And Veronica's like, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not like I'm actually jealous of Bella. (laughs) Which is funny because she totally is. Oh, very. The way he lusts after that car, that's how she wants him to look at her. Of course. Which is totally fair, but it's just like, give the guy a break. Like, so I, I really appreciated that Hermosa was like, look at what's going on with him. It has nothing to do with you. Calm the fuck down. So now we cut to Tony in her office. She's reading about La Llorona. And she calls Betty at the FBI office and they have this little conversation. We're just like, yeah, Lucinda's sticking to her story. And Tony's like, I know it sounds crazy, but is there a universe in which she's telling the truth? I did a lot of research and ghosts like La Llorona exist in different cultures. There's spirits of unfettered feral motherhood. And there's different versions of the legend, but they're always mothers and they always go after children. I even read one article where they went after an unborn child. And at that, but he's like, you know what? That's enough. I'm sorry, but your friend is going to be charged with murder. And Tony's like, Betty, you need to listen to me. Something very bad is happening in Rivervale. And I don't think any of our children are safe until it's over. Why would you do this to Tony? And Betty, why would you do this at all? (laughs) So, yeah. It doesn't get any better. There's nothing else to say. (laughs) Nope. Woof. We cut back to Jughead in the nook. And his chest tattoo appears to have gotten bigger. It's like it's growing. That just might be bad makeup, Jeb. It could be, but it's very bizarre. (laughs) And he's playing with the ships and the bottles. And Tabitha comes and is like, okay, I figured it out. It took me all day, but I figured out how they get the ship and the bottle. And she's like, is this seriously what you did all day? Yeah, I got fixated. 
I thought you were writing. That's our deal. And Jughead's like, no, I get it. But this is just my process. I'm refilling the well of my creative subconscious. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's a thing. But it's like, you are not being a responsible person. Nope. So it's not an excuse. And so then she looks at the desk and she sees scotch bottles. What about these bottles? What happened to the scotch that was in them? Nothing, Tabitha. I picked these up behind the white worm. Hey, I'm not drinking again, I promise. And I think, I think I'm ready to start writing again. And Tabitha's like, okay. Which, all fair. All fair. His behavior feels sketchy. She's already on edge with him because he's not doing what he said he was going to do. Fair. I'm fine with this. This makes sense to me. Huh. Yeah, that seems to track over to real world in some sense of it's going to be far more benign than what's going on here, but it's going to be he's trying to get into the rhythm and figure out what he's going to do. But in doing so, he's doing things that seem to follow that old path, even though they're not. And that's causing friction. Well, before the time jump, he was always sober, pretty much. but. The last few years, he's been an alcoholic. And so the last few years of his writing process, he cannot go back to that well. He cannot go to that process. He has to find a new process in order to turn on those mechanisms because we know he can write sober and he's a good writer sober. So it's understandable why he thinks what he's doing is good and why somebody from the outside who doesn't know the other parts would be like, this just looks like you're setting yourself up to drink again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, we see Betty sleeping in her bed and La Llorona visits her in the night, touches her stomach. Betty wakes up. She's got a bloody pamphlet on her shirt. Cool. We go back to the Jabatha apartment and Jughead is type, 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 type. And he's like, oh, it worked. And Tabitha's like, what? What did? I've been writing all night and the words have been just flying out. Look, look, it's a novella. It's almost finished. And just prior to this, Tabitha opened the fridge and finds the hammer on top of pizza boxes in the fridge. That just loopy thinking about the book and not thinking about where he's putting shit. Which, you know, okay, this is a creative person that happens. Okay, like it, it happens from time to time. So she's really excited. She says, I can't, you know, when can I read it? And Jughead's like, oh, I don't let anyone read my vomit drafts like ever. But the second I revise it, you're going to be the first one to read it. Okay. And she's like, okay. And she's genuinely happy for him. Just like, okay, maybe now that he's gotten this energy going, he'll be able to like settle. Like you can see it on her face. It's great. Aaron Westberg is fabulous. Love her as Tabitha. She's been a wonderful addition to the show. Cool. Good. Did you see when she picks up the milk that's been left out? Yes, I did. I have my note. There is apparently a missing boy in town. <laughs> His name is Archie Andrews. Have you seen him? I have seen him being <laughs> murdered by Cheryl Blossom. I do love. That's adorable. It's very cute. <laughs> very, very funny. I have seen some people with um, some comments about the date of, of Archie's birthday. <laughs> so Archie is 25 in universe, but previously on his fake ID, his birthday was like a year before. It was some nonsense. It was very funny. Uh, well, see, that makes me think that this may be a thing that pops up in the future episodes of like uh-huh. 
Tony Topaz is missing. And slowly but surely, as we do these, again, episodes, things are getting worse and worse and weirder and crumbling around them. So Mm -hmm. something to keep an eye out for. We cut to Ronnie with the fuzzy dice and she's visiting Bella. And you know what? This is a nice car. And so she gets in the car, she puts the dice in the rearview mirror, and she flips the visor, and a photo falls out. And it's this beautiful girl, and on the back, it says something to the effect of, you know, if you never need anything, I'm here for you. Here whenever you need a shoulder to cry on, XOXOXO. Okay, so that's very flirtatious. Uh Uh-huh. And so she's, ugh, she's like, Reggie Mantle, you lying cad. (laughs) <laughs> and so she's in a rage and she's walking down the halls of school. She bumps into Waldo and she drops the photo. He's like, oh, what are you doing with the photo of Miss Soprano? What? Who is she? Oh, she was our driver's ed teacher. That is until the allegations. Allegations <laughs> of inappropriate relations between her and uh, some of the boys. What, what was her name again? Uh, something Italian. Isabella, if I recall correctly. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I love it. So like we're going to this well again. With teachers sleeping with students? Again? Again? Oh, okay, okay. At least here it seems that there were some consequences. I mean, Miss Grundy ended up being died. She ended up being died. <laughs> she was died. She, she was, was died. died. She, un- she became unalive. Miss <laughs> Grundy ended up being murdered. So I'm like, that's cool. But why? Why? Riverdale has a problem. We have to think about how that translates over. I am almost wondering if there is something with Reggie and Miss Grundy from the past oh. that they might bring up. I don't love it, uh-huh. but it might be something like it, it could be something about why he's got insecurities and different things like that. <sighs> sure. Again, it's a stupid thing to bring back up because it was a terrible storyline to begin with, mm-hmm. but I I do think that it, there's a way to parlay it into a future storyline since you've already cemented that in this world. Mm-hmm. Part part of what gives me signposts for stuff that's, you know, this isn't real is like all of it winds up being a little too convenient to be real. Yeah. Which, you know, again, play into that more. That would be far more entertaining for us. But, sure. you know, it's fucking WandaVision it for fuck's sake. So we cut to Tony in class there's water dripping and she kind of looks up and there's this big stain on the ceiling and she sees Lyona pass in the hall and she runs out she's like I know who you are and you know she kind of turns around and is like (laughs) Tony pulls the fire alarm and grabs an axe and she's trying to get to her before she basically runs away but she leaves those gross bloody like footprints and Kevin comes out like worried about what's going on. He's like, what the hell, Tony? <laughs> so we cut to Dr. Curdle's office and the big question mark sign is still there uh, because yeah. <laughs> and we find out that Betty has had a hysterical pregnancy because she is not pregnant. And she's like, what? You told me I was. I took a test and it said I was. Like the hysterical pregnancies manifest the same symptoms and conditions as actual pregnancy. Perhaps that's what happened here. And this is true. Yeah. But they should have had this go on way longer before they had her like tell us it was a hysterical pregnancy. Because then it would have been like, what the fuck? It would have been more like twisty. And here you're just like, okay. Oh no, here I'm like, 
fuck you. <laughs> oh, I've been that I've been in that place for a very long time. So whatever. <laughs> so we cut over to Betty at Pops and she calls Tony. She's like, I believe you. I think La Llorona is in Riverdale and I'm gonna try to help Lucinda. And Tony's like, thank you, but did something happen? She's like, I'll tell you later, okay. But there's a hunch I need to pursue. Can we meet up afterward? Absolutely. Okay, I'm here. So then Tabitha comes over. It's like, hey, do you need more coffee? Decaf, please. Is everything okay? I'm just a little on edge. How's life with Jughead? And this is where that line would have been amazing. I had no idea living with a writer would be so intense. But it's like, (laughs) oh, yeah, he can be pretty single-minded when he gets in the weeds with the story. But it's always very exciting to read those early vomit drafts of his, you know, to which Tabitha, of course, is like, you let Betty read them. Because that's the real ghost in their relationship is the Betty of it all. Which, okay, if we were focusing more on the story, genius. That would be genius is that the real ghost isn't these ghosts of people who died here. It's the people in our lives that are still haunting us because we haven't dealt with our shit. Cool. Thank you. This is, I'm done. <laughs> First of all, why are they so dumb that they can't see dumb. that? Second of all, somebody did make this point, and I actually thought it was pretty good Okay, from just like a fan standpoint and way better for writers to explore is the fact that, you know, there's actually a good explanation for why Jughead might not do that, mm-hmm. is that after Betty, he doesn't feel safe enough to share that stuff as much anymore. True. He was hopelessly in love with Betty. He trusted her opinion. He knew he could rely on her for honest feedback. And all the stuff with Jessica. Yeah. Which like. I know there was a practical consideration with that story getting out in that storyline, but still there was also an emotional thing of like, you didn't give her my draft, did you? Well, there's that, but it's also that relationship was just very toxic for both of them. And so one of the problems with Betty and Jughead was that they were too entwined in each other's shit. Yeah. And so if he lets Tabitha be a part of this aspect of it, then he's repeating that pattern so he's trying to break it too like no that's that's a perfect point it's a it's a different relationship she's a different person and he doesn't have that with her yet doesn't mean he won't later but it's gonna come up it's gonna come up another point of course it will of course it will uh so she's like oh yeah he wanted me to experience his stories in the rarest form you know yeah same with me Tabitha's just like fuck you bitch (laughs) Uh, you can just see it on her face love it well, to be fair, she's not so much mad at Betty. No, she's, she's mad, mad at the situation. Mad at Jughead. Jughead's the devil. He's the worst. Yes. So we go over to the Tang's apartment. Janet Weiss, the town social worker, who we've seen since, I believe, season one of Maven, season two, is there on a wellness check because there was a complaint, an anonymous complaint. What? Somebody thinks I'm not taking care of my baby? Janet, you know me. I do. But you know, as a social worker, I have to investigate every claim. And Tony's like, I don't, I don't know what to say. And she's like, who, who was it? Was it Kevin? Which I fucking love. Like when they said that, I was like, oh. Yeah, no, your theory's coming more and more true every fucking day. Who's the one that called Archie both times about all the cult shit? Kevin. Kevin. Now, they did this part well. If there's nothing going on, if this is just a misdirect for like her own insecurities about her relationship with Fangs, like that whole situation, because they, as far as we know in the show, there's been no closure on it. Having Kevin be the one to see her in the hallway with an axe 
like what the hell tony fair fair he witnessed her in that state yes fair i'm glad because it makes sense it also makes sense for that to be the first thing that she thought like well he's the one who would have called because i had a bad day at work oh my god but still but my alarm bells went off and i was like oh i'm so cool in the meantime so anyways fucking ghost ladies coming to get baby anthony baby anthony's in his room chilling in a really cool crib and like ghost murder lady is coming to creep out of the closet to be like scooby do it <laughs> <laughs> and next thing you know baby's crying they walk in and baby anthony's on the floor and there's the, also a puddle of water oh no and all janet weiss can think is like okay <laughs> that baby just jumped out his crib um, not the mama's fault. No, I don't think they were going to take it any farther than that. I think she's just like, what the fuck? Because babies cry. Babies also, I mean, shit happens. But the puddle of water. Puddle of water. I was like, what the fuck is this, bitch? Anyways, <laughs> she lives in Riverdale. It's fine. And now comes the most unearned scene I think I've ever seen. <laughs> so we cut to the garage with Bella in it. And it has been fucking destroyed it's like she took a screwdriver and just stabbed the car over and over again which if that's what she would have taken so much strength and energy to do what she did to this car it's fuck in television parlance a baseball bat will do this Mm. in television world in real life no (laughs) sure what the again the stakes were not set for reggie Mm -hmm. to be in like weird not in his right mind yeah losing it land sure for her to go to this length he's like why did you do this because i know who bella is the real one isabella soprano the sick teacher who had an inappropriate relationship with her students including you and reggie's like what and she's like, I've had to stomach a lot, Reggie, but I will not allow you to romanticize an abusive relationship. She was an adult and took advantage of you, which, okay, looks like they're framing this appropriately because that's correct. Because they didn't do that with Grundy, you fucking idiots. But also, what the fuck is this going to do about that? The sick obsession with your car is just a continuation of that toxic dynamic. No! <laughs> you are such a fucking cunt. Ah, they took such a cool storyline and fucking ran it into the ground. Because again, if this was a single focus and Reggie's like full on, like disgusting in the garage, literally all night, nobody knows where he is. Mm -hmm. Like he's only with the car ever and Mm -hmm. like losing it. And she is driven to the point of like, the only way I can finally get your attention is to smash the car. Yeah. Then it makes sense. But no, this is some toxic Hiram bullshit. It makes no fucking sense. No, no, no. Veronica's turning into her father. I'm not Ugh. getting exactly what I want from you. That's her ghost is daddy. Daddykins. Her husband who she murdered. I'm not getting exactly what I want, so I'm going to destroy the thing you love. That's right out of the Hiram Lodge playbook. How many times did he try to kill Archie? Okay, but she didn't murder her husband. Her husband was going to murder her, and she yeah, shot but him she, in self-defense. She, fine. She killed him and didn't give two fucks. 
No, she did give two fucks. She fucked Archie and now she's fucking Reggie. Yes, I said that. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> that was really good. Thank you. I, I mean, to be fair, none of us gave any fucks about Chad either. So <laughs> No, I love the complication he presented. I wish they would have used him better. Uh. Anyways, this is fucked up and not cool and not good. And Reggie's just like, nothing ever happened. Uh, she was the one adult I could trust and the only one I ever told about the abuse that was going on in my home. And she listened to me and she helped me. And then and now Reggie's crying and she's like, I'm sorry, Reggie. It's just a car. Oh my God. Fuck you, you cunt. No. No. Like, I don't care if they like about rehabilitating Cheryl. And I just don't give a fuck about Veronica anymore. I just don't care. I just don't care. Again, I just feel bad for Camilla Mendes. I go, what the fuck are you doing for her? I don't know. All their contracts are up at the end of the season, so. Jesus fuck. End the show. And Reggie says, I just got back from the hospital. My dad died 20 minutes ago. Oh my God, Reggie, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'll always be there for you. It's just you and me, as it should be. Again, isolating. This is abusive behavior. <sighs> she's an abusive person. I already know this before, but now it's like really coming out. Yeah, she's turning to her father. Because that's no. her ghost. That's her relationship ghost. We go to the Tang's apartment and they're looking at a map. And Betty's like, Tony, I found something, a pattern. She's retracing her steps and she does a direct line from Sweetwater River, first Thornhill, where Cheryl encountered her, then Lucinda's, my house, Riverdale High, and now this apartment where she came after baby Anthony. And so they're like, okay, we think the target is baby Anthony. And so Tony gives the baby to, to Fang and says, Take him to the white worm and surround him by serpents. <laughs> I don't think she'll go after him in a crowd. And uh, then Tony like takes her stuff. He's like, where are you going? I'm going to Cheryl's. You need to contact that ghost bitch. And she's the only person who knows how to channel the spirits. Wait, Tony finally showed up. Yeah, actual Tony. Jesus Christ. I don't like it. Remember when we thought, oh, well, maybe they're actually going to write for Tony now and give her a little bit of a role. They gave her so much. It's awful. But they don't know what to do with her. They don't. they don't know how to do with her. And then her pregnancy put a wrinkle in some things. Like, no one's fault, but it created it created a struggle for them. Well, writer's fault. Writer's fault. Because you didn't think about how you might fix that. Also, you could have just not written it in and just been like, Tony is going on a teacher's retreat. Or Tony broke her leg and has to be in the hospital for six weeks. Whatever! This is not... A fucking masterpiece television show. No. We don't give a fuck. Give us something real easy so we can go, cool, she's gone until like five episodes from now. Yay. The whole world knows. It's fine. Get over to the Pembroke and Reggie is practically comatose. And it's the same day. Like this is just after their conversation because we're in the same clothes. I know. We'll go to the funeral home tomorrow and finalize the arrangements, but everything's in order. And he's like, thanks, Ronnie. I have a surprise for you. I was going to wait until things calm down a bit, but I think my Reggiekins deserves a pick-me-up. And so she hands him this present. He opens it and it's car keys. You'll find that car key fits into a gorgeous Camaro SS speed. It's just, uh, I thought we could take it for a spin tonight. This is great, Ronnie. Thanks. I really appreciate it. And she's like, we're going to be okay, right? Of course, nothing would ever come between us. <sighs> it's all material bullshit. It's just about staying in line. She's become Hiram. Yeah. Which is fine, whatever. But again, if that's what you were going to do, like, 
make that signpost for us. Mm-hmm. Like point it out. This should have this should have been breadcrumbed better. Yeah. Make a fucking choice one way or another, goddammit. Never give how about you give her some agency to have a story that doesn't involve a boyfriend or her stupid fucking dad? Ugh. I mean, at least Betty's got attempted murdered by a serial killer. So, you know, that's cool. And then, you know, joined a cult to murder her boyfriend. Yeah. She could have a baby. <laughs> so we cut to Thornhill and we're having a summoning circle with Cheryl and Nana Rose and Tony and Betty. And Laggy Rhoda shows up and is like, hey, my name is Martha Mallon. I was a nurse in the children's ward of Riverdale's first hospital. And we lost a lot of we lost a lot of babies at that time from pox or the cold or a doctor's restless hands. And pretty soon the town folk blamed me for it. And they accused me of being a witch woman. And they dragged me and my own children to the Sweetwater River, weighed us down with rocks and threw us in the dark waters. And we drowned. And I became this thing. So, okay, cool. Hey, I'm Martha Mallon. Martha Mallon. <laughs> I would have so much respect if that's what they did. <laughs> I want more ghosts to just show up and be like, hey, boo. <laughs> hey, just, sup? Yeah. I'm a ghost. Yeah, I murdered five people. Now I'm doomed to haunt this place. I'm not proud of my decisions, but you know, it is what it is. a better ghost outfit. This is not my chosen <laughs> appearance. Like, <laughs> it's just shit, just shit like that. I I need more of that. I need out uh, what we do in the shadows, but instead of vampires, it's ghosts. Get on it, Taika Waititi. Come on. So while this is happening, she's speaking through Nana Rose, and then every t- she's as she's talking and she's struggling, like she's spitting out water. And so they're getting word, like we just need a name of who called you, who called you. And we find out that it's Darla Dickinson called on uh, La Yarona. Oh, we'll get there. I'm sorry. It's horrible and the best thing ever. I fucking... What a choice. What a choice to pull Darla of all people, which again, I guarantee you it's because Darla shows back up in real Riverdale. Yeah, I'm fine with it though. I I just don't care. Oh my god. So we go back to the Jabatha apartment and Jughead comes home and Tabitha is in his nook with his novella and she's clearly been drinking. She's got a drink in her hand. And she's read it. She starts reading from it. She's like, she doesn't understand me. How could she? She doesn't have an artist mind. Jughead's like, you broke into my desk. That's a huge breach of privacy and my process. Oh, right. Your process. Your process. You mean how you sit around all day playing with your toy boats while I work my ass off so that you can write a story about a wife who doesn't understand her husband and then can kills her husband because he leaves the cap off the freaking toothpaste. <laughs> And so, like, Jughead is right to be angry. She did completely violate his privacy and trust. Um, but he's also being completely dismissive of her feelings. Like, there's been a build. I do really like the gradual buildup of Tabitha's annoyance and anger at him. This was very well done. So whoever was in charge of the Tabitha Jughead storyline, you get a gold star. Mm, you get a silver star from me. I'm not going gold just yet. Fine, silver star. We're not. We're, I'm not mad at you. No, but <laughs> we're not mad at you. I'm not mad, but I'm. I'm not. You know, over the moon. You're still in Riverdale. Riverdale. Sorry. So she's mad at him, and then she sees that he's got a case of scotch. She's like, what is this? He's like, I was gonna pour these out. Oh. So you buy scotch with my money and then you're just going to dump it down the drain. So she takes the bottles and she starts smashing them. And he's like, no, don't do this. This is not good. And then 
she takes the typewriter, which we all know about this typewriter. This is a gift from Betty. Uh-huh. No, 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 don't. And she throws it and it goes into a bajillion pieces. Like, no, there was a gift from Betty. And she picks up a hammer. And as she picks up the hammer, she catches a glimpse of herself in like a reflection of a window or a A mirror. It's a a mirror. mirror. It's a mirror. Okay. But she sees Diane Uh and she drops the hammer and she falls to the floor and she starts picking up pieces. And she's just like, I'm so sorry. We're not like them. We're stronger. We're stronger. And we made a promise that we would work through our problems. And I love you, Jughead. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he's just like, did you say I love you? Yeah, I've been wanting to say it for a while. Yeah, I've been wanting to say it too. I love you. And then the door that Jughead had entered through, he hadn't shut. The door suddenly goes, shuts. Like, was that the ghost leaving? Are ghosts real now? (laughs) That was one of the best Cole Sprouse line deliveries ever. Ghosts real now? (laughs) Ghosts real now? (laughs) Because it's both with, it's both tongue in cheek, but also like, but please give me the real answer. <laughs> like, I read it to be funny, but also I need an answer, please. Oh, crap. <laughs> and I was like, I think maybe they are. And I think maybe we scared them away. Cool. Jabatha's official. It just took a creepy murder-suicide to make it happen. You know, there had to be some stakes. Again, I assume this would play out better in the real world version of this where they, they explain everything. But, you know. <laughs> I want more of this story. I want more of this story and less of the other bullshit. Mm-hmm. So we go over to Daniel Dickinson's grave and it's raining and Darla's there. And she's like, well, I called. I've been inspecting you. I've been inspecting you. So Tony just again, like apologizes that she, you know, that Danny was taken away from her. And I'm sorry that I was responsible for his death. Like she's saying like all the appropriate things it's like we know you summoned la llorona um, and we need you to call her off you can't call off la llorona once summoned once a child is promised there's no stopping her at least not until anthony's dead in her arms la llorona la llorona okay azuras guy you're the shit i love you i've always liked you and i really love you on this show as darla because it's so fucking bonkers (laughs) so stupid i love it i just really (laughs) like this actress she's great (sighs) she's just fun and i think this is just like this is just bonkers it has to be fun for her (laughs) tony makes this point he's like she's not gonna be able to touch him he's in a crew of serpents and darla's is like you know, you're a mother. Even if there were men standing between you and your baby, would that stop you? And Tony says, no. It's like, exactly. Now imagine that primal maternal force times a hundred. La Garona is a storm unlike any you've ever seen. Oh my God. They literally did the honey, you got a storm coming meme. You got a storm coming. <laughs> La Garona is like La a storm. Yorona. We're just going to start saying that all the time now. It's going to become a problem. Oh, fuck me. The scene is fine, but it just lands so fucking weird because of Darla. <laughs> it's just... It's, it's all stupid. Lot. It's all so stupid. I, I don't disagree. So we cut to the white worm, and everyone's unconscious and soaking wet. And they find things like, well, she took him to sweet water. And they're like, oh, we gotta beat her to the river. <laughs> I will say the idea of them being like drowned on land is cool. Yeah, 
yeah, no, I'm here for that. Okay, that cool. part was like, okay, well, this is kind of cool. That's but cool. just the ugh, also this it's is such sucks. a stupid this, story. This is line. stupid and we don't like it. Yeah. So then we go to the Jabatha apartment and they're boarding up the neck. Like they're they're gonna just drywall over it or whatever, which I think is like this is such a waste of space. Come on. I we should have just ended their story. Yeah. But they just it's just kind of a sweet conversation about like, you know, this was just our first real fight and we survived and we lived to tell the tale. And, you know, oh, I wonder what our next test is going to be. Maybe love is just a series of tests, test of strength of our relationship. Well, that's kind of bleak, but also kind of sweet. So, like, it's it's a sweet moment and I'm fine with that, but we didn't need it. It's just pad to make sure you cover time. Like, that's literally all that scene was. Pretty much. Cut to Reggie getting into his new car from Veronica and he pulls down the visor and the picture of Miss Soprano falls down, which is a nice gesture from Veronica. It's too little, too fucking late, but like, you know. Um, and Reggie, you know, adjusts the rear view mirror and he sees her in the rear view. So she's still there with him. Um, yeah, okay. Like that was it. That I, I'm fine with that. I just, you know, fucking hate the Veronica of it all. We cut to Sweetwater and Tony's there to take martha's place tony takes the baby gives the baby to betty and says hey take care of him please let him know his mother loved him and la llorona like smashes herself into tony and now tony is la llorona it's a cool fucking effect it's a very cool effect that did look they did that effect really well and she descends back into the river and we see betty just like holding this baby being like what the fuck the line that made me just nearly enraged me was i would give everything up for anthony and also i need to be punished for killing someone's child Mm -hmm. what what the (sighs) fuck i wish because i get it like she feels good she's like it's like i feel i owe my life to the child that was lost at my hands or something to that effect that gives you that feeling that she feels guilty she feels like she should be punished and like this is her penance. Like I will take his place instead of my son because that's what every parent says when their child's been hurt or is suffering. Is like I wish it was me instead of my kid. So here's the actual visual embodiment of that. So have her say that because everything else they say is really muddy and it's too much. And it should have been you know not only would I give my life for him, but someone else lost their child because of me, and I feel like I sh- I should have to pay for that it was like you didn't like you know you were a nurse and like because that's the other part is that like this woman is suffering for something that isn't her fault and tony isn't suffering for something that is and that's where tony feels like there's an imbalance and that's fine that's her sense of justice but the writing is not up to the emotion that's being translated here through very good acting (sighs) they're trying to polish a really stinky turd (sighs) it's a declarative statement of needing to be punished. And it was just like, what the fuck are you doing to Tony? (laughs) But I do love the button of Jughead. Hmm, Let me ask you something, friends. Is there a better word for motherhood than sacrifice? (laughs) I was like, fuck you. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's like the next time a weeping woman rises from Sweetwater River, or if you prefer the river sticks. A different soul will take her path, the path that both 
begins and ends in Rivervale. Rivervale. You like doing that way too much. It's fun. We have to add it in there. At least I I finally do understand why I was upset about this episode. And it's just like, you took what could have been an okay B-plot, maybe, or just didn't need to be there. Mm -hmm. And you put it as the main plot in front of two sub-stories that could have been their own episodes. Yeah. I... At this point, I don't want to complain anymore because we've complained a lot. <laughs> but we have. I and mean, I don't I don't have any new complaints. I don't like it. I'm not happy. We're still going to keep watching this fucking show because we made a commitment. But it's also like there are things that are really good about it. So, I mean, that like ugh, it's our relationship <laughs> with Riverdale and it's really toxic. Our relationship with Riverdale is toxic. Thank you for listening to us complain about it for 97 episodes. I mean, to me, what I, what I do think is that they have shown us mm-hmm. on certain episodes and in certain stretches that they can actually string that story together, that they can find that balance. Yeah. And so to me, where it does warrant us having those discussions is to say, like, we know you can do it. Yeah. It's not like you have always just been this way. Mm-hmm. It's that you have done stretches and then you've disappointed us constantly. That's what's yeah. that's what's such a beat down and frustrating. But I do think it warrants the discussion of like, why didn't you do this? Why could you not do this better? Because you've shown us you can. It also makes me just wonder, why the fuck are you still doing this if you're not going to pay close enough attention to the storyline to give it justice? All right, let's go check out the next time on. Let's go check it. All right. So next week's episode is called Mr. Slifer and the devil comes to town. It was not with, and they're not referring to Nick St. Clair. Nope. <laughs> no, they're referring to the literal devil, the I guess. The literal devil. I guess everyone's going to make a deal with the devil is probably. That's the whole, that's the whole idea. That's here, a conceit. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. Okay, cool. All right. We might reveal the TBK, although I doubt it's actually going to be real TBK. What will be interesting is what peop- what the characters are willing to, I know it's their soul, but like, what is it that is so important to them to get? What's the bargain? I mean, it would be their soul. So yeah, that's cool. Interesting. <sighs> At least it seems to be a unified fucking theme for once in our lives. Instead of weird offshoot stories, we can at least tie it all together in an episode. Perhaps. All right. Well, until next time, hashtag. All hail the Maple Maple Maiden. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.